Welcome to the weekly edition of Beyond the Title, where we get to know the person behind the strategy, the story, and yes, the brand. Joining us every week are senior professionals across the globe. So amazing that we just have to know who they are. Joining us today is Bianca Goes from uh, Wipro. She is the Chief Storytelling Officer at Wipro and a unique position that is. Bianca, welcome. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm just really pleased to be here. It's a Friday today, so, you know, <laughs> it's just a lovely day, lovely time to, you know, get to we get to meet you and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and just before the show, we were talking about our lovely uh, glass of wine. It is a, uh, it, well, it's about 3.30 in the afternoon here, so, hey, cheers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that sip before we start off now. Uh, Bianca, what is that lovely wine you, you're having? Um, <laughs> so it's interesting. Uh, my boss, uh, bless him, uh, he's the CEO of, um, of Wipro, uh, Thierry. So we went to the Christmas holidays and I went on a little holiday because I was frustrated staying at home for what, 11 months. And so I went away for a little getaway to Kerala and I came back to three bottles of Bordeaux all the way from France. And I was like, so I had one oh, bottle wow. Which is what I opened today, uh, in in honor of you know speaking to you and uh, catching up over a glass of wine. That that is the amazing you know power beyond the title. But uh, <laughs> and shout out to Theory for being an amazing boss for sending out a lovely bottle, you no know, three lovely bottles of uh, mm. wine from Bordeaux, an amazing uh, wine region, right? It is, it is, and. You know, Terry's amazing, and uh, hopefully, COVID willing, I should be able to get myself uh, to Bordeaux very soon. <laughs> and the bottle of wine, you've got a Merlot on you, you've got a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a Merlot. Merlot. Same here, same here. Oh, uh, from from Hungary, though. Uh, so next, when you get to, to France, because I know you're you're on your route to France sometime soon, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we should definitely catch up in Hungary. Hungary's also a beautiful Absolutely. wine region. I've never been to Hungary, but you know, when I found out that you're in Hungary, I was like, you know, it's a stone's throw away. So it is. It is. Make make hay while the sun shines, right? Exactly. And we are getting to the travel bit soon enough, hopefully, with all the vaccines out there. Amen to that. I'm I'm not so sure, George. But <laughs> I am an optimistic person, so I'll I'll go with what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> no. Tell me about this before we get into beyond the titles questions, which I love to to always get to know. But this position of chief storytelling officer, that is a unique position. Very few companies have now started realizing that they need someone, right, to be able to create that amazing collage of storytelling prowess within the company. How did you get to, to being a storyteller? And of course, how did you get to being the chief storyteller at Wipro? Um, it's an interesting story. I was happy doing whatever I was doing um, in a different organization. And uh, being me, you know, I've, I'm very active on social media. I do a lot of work, pro bono work with not-for-profits, uh, for the industry. Uh, I do some mentoring work. And so, you know, the, the former CMO of Wipro, he found me on LinkedIn, I think, doing something, something. And he reached out and said, hey, we'd love to have a chat. And I was like, okay, if the CMO is reaching out, I'm going to give him that respect and we'll have a chat. And so that one conversation went on for the next eight months. Uh, and I said, you know what? This is possibly going to be the best two years of my life, or worst two, in which case it won't be true. <laughs> but 
what's the risk? Let me take it, right? Because I love the creative freedom, the autonomy that he he offered with this role. And the only mandate he gave me was help see Wipro from the inside and tell that story outside. And that to me seemed a very bold move at that point, because you know, here's a company with Indian origin, which has worked in the IT uh, services industry in, in, you know, for the last um, 75 years, has a certain way of thinking. So if you're willing to experiment and you're willing to take some risks, you're willing to change the way that you think as a company and, and make you know, hire people who don't traditionally fit into a technology company, then that shows a certain conviction. And I really went with that. And I have really enjoyed myself in the last almost four years now that I've been wow. in the pro. Done a whole bunch of things, um, had some amazing projects, some amazing people to work with. Love the fact that I have access to, you know, our, our leadership and I'm able to work with them and identify look, where is our business going? Uh, what are our strengths? Where are we bleeding? How can we connect strategy to story? And essentially that's the role that I play. Now, um, I would say I have a tremendously dynamic, uh, demanding uh, role, um, which is in addition, I, I lead comms and messaging for our new CEO, Thierry Delacorte. Loving that it sort of brings together or it's, I would say, a culmination of everything that I've done that I stand for my convictions. And uh, I'm really having fun with what I'm doing at work. Awesome. Awesome. Now, because you have this amazing breadth of work at NDTV before that, uh, you know, to ATO Technologies, Webpro, a number of NGOs that you, that you do support. Um, mm -hmm. What is the icky guy that drives you forward what's that <laughs> philosophy that gets you out of bed every morning oh um okay that's a that's a tough one um <laughs> i would say steve to make a mark you know i mean i still have i guess what some people would consider a bit of naivete to hope that i will be whatever i do i'll be able to make a ripple you know maybe not change the world but uh make some change, you know, even if it is on a smaller scale. And part of my existence today, Steve, I, I, I can't say the same thing maybe 10 years ago, but part of my existence today is really, it's about using all the opportunities that I have uh, and the space that I've created for myself to be able to give voice to, you know, people who don't have a voice essentially. Yeah. And finding those opportunities, big or small, um, Keeps me keeps me charged uh, beyond the everyday. Awesome, awesome. Uh, funny enough, our uh, our guest for last week, uh, Marilyn Wang from from Manulife, even she mentioned the same thing. That she's the CMO for Manulife Vietnam, uh, and she said her ikigai is to basically touch one person's life. You know, if she was able to make one person ha have a a better life. Yeah, she would have considered her life meaningful uh, and worth it. So it is—it's amazing to to hear that also from you. Uh, that you know that mark that that one thing that you could do. But isn't isn't that the point of life in a way? Because after a point in your career, you've done enough for yourself, right? And there is so much, uh, whether it's experience, whether it's ideas, whether it's just wisdom yeah. uh, that you're able to share with somebody else. And I believe that. Um, you know, we were talking about this before we, we started the recording that um, 
when you have seen uh, different circumstances in life, when you come from a place that normally doesn't automatically catapult you to success, you have a certain path and certain learnings that you'd want to be able to share with others because I believe that you become what you see. And so it's important for, that's why representation is important, right? Um, so True. yeah, that's why I'm, I'm happy to share whatever I can. And, but I'm not bold enough to say that, you know, <laughs> I have advice to give. But I have my failures and my learnings, and I'm happy to share that. <laughs> God bless. God bless. Hey, uh, if life were moving, you come from the land where, you know, uh, same as I, of course, uh, where we've got the, the second largest uh, film industry in the world, right? Bollywood, and of course, yeah. that, uh, that. But which character would you think your life plays out, or which character would you like to play? Um, can I answer that slightly differently? Sure. Um, so, you know, if my life was a movie or a series as Netflix has now gotten us all addicted to, <laughs> um, I would say, Steve, that uh, my life would be, uh, it would be The Queen's Gambit. And oh, nice. It's on Netflix. It's amazing. And I think the one person that I would hope plays me uh, is the lady who played the, the the lady who played the character of Beth Harmon, um, Anya Anya, I believe is her name, Anya yes. Taylor. She was amazing. Her performance was superb, and you know she. And I guess those of you who know me and who saw the series, they said that there were elements of you know uh, they reminded her of uh, they reminded uh, me uh, her of me, and so I was like. Yeah, so I, I understand why, because I think it's an incredible coming of age story. It's yeah. uh, it's, it's really about discovery, about, uh, you know, sort of your reemergence in the world and literally a rags to riches story. I mean, I do have a long way to go on the riches front. But I have to. <laughs> <laughs> We're treating you well. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I, I do think that there are parallels sort of between my life, my approach to life and between Beth Harmon's journey. Yeah. Do you play chess? I don't. I'm not so um, intelligent. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet, but I, I will try. Currently, I'm learning how to speak French. And uh, nice. uh, hopefully, once I master this, I would move on to something else. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, I would imagine, you know, you're working a few different time zones with, with your lovely work. And, of course, you having to work with theory as well uh, for a huge part of your job. What's that one app that keeps you sane? What's, you know, how do you keep yourself sane and structured? <laughs> you are right about uh, the time zones. Yeah, I, uh, I work across uh, India, Europe, UK, and the US, primarily now, obviously, uh, the central European time zone. But, oh my, uh, an app <laughs> to keep you sane, right? I mean, this is where humanity is at. Everything is digital, right? To stay sane, you need an app. One. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm looking through my phone. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. Which app should I say? I've got 50 apps here. I uh, Yeah, you're right. But um, I think I know the answer. You know, the one app, Steve, that has kept me grounded, absolutely focused, and brings a lot of discipline to my life is I'm, I'm opening it right now. Can you see it? Um, activity the watch and the activity oh, tracker. Oh, right, your activity tracker. You know, it's um, <laughs> this. This is the one thing that 
I think really, really sort of brings that focus in my life because you know now what? It's it's only seven o'clock and uh, I've I've finished a uh, hundred and ten minutes of exercise, even though my goal is sixty minutes um, today. Um, I've done uh, ten hours of standing when my goal is six hours, and I'm not wow. telling you how many calories I, I uh, burnt. But essentially, this is what keeps me positive. Um, it's been tough. Steve, for all of us, right? Being at home, yeah. not being able to meet anybody, very little movement, um, you know, and, and I, after COVID, um, I, I had COVID in March, 2020. Um, after COVID, I sort of got into this cycle of uh, not sleeping, not eating right. I would eat in the middle of the night and, you know, emotionally I was fraught. I was like, what is going on? Because in the last two years, I've pretty much been on the road for about 10 to 12 uh, days, to 15 days in a month. And here I was stuck at home for the last five months, six months. So I got into that cycle and it was very difficult to break out of that habit. And so one day I said enough is enough. And then I joined the gym, even though it at that point wasn't safe, but I said, hey, I've already had the COVID, I'm pro probably immune. So I did and uh, I got myself a fantastic trainer who's uh, essentially become from my, from my daily agent of torture to uh, a good friend who motivates me and, and keeps awesome. me honest. And so I would have to say um, my, my watch keeps me honest as well. Awesome. Uh, again, kudos to keeping that, that structured life there, right? <laughs> with your activities, especially with the exercises, I've been trying for the longest time to have one straight month of exercise without, without a cheat day. I have- What's your What's your um, <laughs> my Google <connector>. calendar? <laughs> <laughs> I've connected my personal professional life to Google Calendar, so if if it's not there, I do not know it exists. Most of the time, I, I depend on it. Not to joke, I have my vitamin taking schedule on my calendar. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> How are you gonna let go of this dependence on technology? If tomorrow Terminator came to life and we had to stave off AI technology, you know, and call it, you know, cold turkey, I wouldn't know how to to schedule my life with a diary anymore. Uh, that's how bad it gets. <laughs> uh, but you know, hey, uh, are you going to share your your activity tracker or your your work with uh, the the exercises on on LinkedIn anytime soon? Um, I, I could, I could, yes. Um, it's a great motivation to others, you know. I actually did, you know, on my birthday, which was oh, nice. in December. Um, so everybody was like, what's, what, what are you doing? Is that kick? And I'm like, I actually spent three and a half hours in the gym. Cause I was like, <laughs> it's Saturday, it's my birthday. I'm going to treat myself. So I spent a lot of time at the gym and, uh, I had a great day. Uh, afterwards, um, uh, had my sp um, French lessons for three hours and then, you know, had dinner with family. So, awesome. uh, yeah, so exercise has really kept me grounded, I would say, in the last four months. Uh, so I'm still getting there, essentially working on mobility and strength training and, and strengthening up my core. And also I've started now uh, weight training. I love that. Oh, nice. So, and what was your cake? I did get cake, but it was uh, it was a banana cake. Yeah, without that's without a sugar. nice cake. Without, without sugar. sugar. Oh wow, that is dedication to being healthy. Cake without hey, sugar. Go all the way, right? Go all the way. If you're doing it, <laughs> go all the way. <laughs> I will try that out. I will try out a cake without sugar, banana cake. 
favorite. Uh, so this being the month of friendship and love, right? Um, I, I call it month of friendship because I, I do believe that, you know, you should take some time to celebrate the amazing people in your life, uh, your family, your friends, uh, your colleagues, your peers. So how are you or how do you uh, set, set an example of camaraderie it, within your, your colleagues, your friends, your family? Um, by being flexible. That's, I think, the one thing we all need to do right now, right? I mean, personally speaking, Steve, I've, you know, I'm a big one for accountability, for, um, you know, for, for always pushing the envelope and always demanding more um, from, from my teams and the people that I work with, including our leadership. And, uh, you know, always pushing ourselves to sort of step out of our comfort zones. My entire life has been that, right? Every time I've hit a comfort spot, I'm like, about time to move. And so I've brought that to my work personality, which yeah. in a way, I would say pre-COVID, my teams have found uh, nice, sweet ways of telling me that, ooh, you're, you're relentless. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think pre-pandemic, Steve, it's fine, right? But now we're in 2021, uh, like we were talking about, we possibly have another six to eight months of this yeah. uh, work from home, social distancing situation where we're not meeting anybody. And this is not going to work. I can see pandemic fatigue is setting in. You know, there's, I'm seeing loss of productivity, you know, anxiety, uh, inability to sleep, weight gain. I'm seeing that all across in our teams. And sometimes that's also weighing on people's ability to think creatively. So I think the biggest thing to help our teams and, and our people, you know, uh, to make them stay motivated is, is to be flexible. And uh, sometimes it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's essentially what I think leadership needs to do. You know, when you bake in empathy and you bake in listening, because I think that's where it really starts. Creating an inclusive uh, workforce, a remote culture starts really with listening. And you do that when you're flexible, when you're making, uh, when you're making those fair and, and appropriate accommodations for people because of where they're at, because you're meeting them where they are. Yeah. Rather than you asking them to come and uh, sort of level up on your expectations of them. Wow. And has that also been the biggest leadership challenge you've got? Or, you know, are, are there other leadership challenges you're facing right now? Um, I, I would have to say that the biggest challenge I'm facing right now is how do you balance accountability with patience, you know? Maintaining high expectations along with, um, you know, understanding where people are at emotionally and then, you know, making sure you're at least going more than halfway through to meet them there. And, you know, all the while getting their best uh, at, at, at work. It's, it's tough. And I think more so because we have a very warped understanding of accountability. You know, I think it's misunderstood because typically what happens is, and this is my view, you know, I think we have... Uh, a deeply held association between accountability and punishment instead mm -hmm. of considering that it could be a tool to help people unlock their creativity and their their high self in a manner of speaking. And second, I also feel that accountability is often seen as a one-off event. Uh, to my mind, it's a dial, it's not a switch. And so my biggest challenge or concern, something that I'm working on constantly right now, Steve, is 
um, is, is really to sort of build that bridge uh, between accountability and um, performance, uh, cool. and then connecting that back to patience and empathy. Awesome, awesome. I'm looking forward to your secret mantra on how do you combine patience, empathy, accountability, <laughs> and of course, uh, performance. All hey, in I'm one line. I mean, <laughs> none of us have answers today, right? We've all adapted and we're still adapting. And that's, I guess, the very nature of humanity that we can adapt and be flexible. Uh, but I'll tell you when I, you know, have something that's worth mentioning and uh, <laughs> and we'll have another chat. I'm looking forward to that. I'm it's looking forward to that. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, you being a journalist and you started off as a journalist, right? Uh, you had... I'm guessing a, a lot of amazing people come up on, on a number of your, your interview shows or you covered a number of amazing pieces. What was it like going to Davos um, for the first time? And then you've been there for four years running, right? What, what has it been to go to Davos uh, with that, that hat of a journalist first and then a storyteller? Um, first, I was, my first uh, reaction was, wow, this is colder than I had expected. It was uh, minus <laughs> and uh, as an Indian, yeah, it was a max of excuse, one degree Celsius in, in Delhi. In Delhi. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've, I've lived in Delhi for 20 years. Um, and so that was my first reaction, to be honest, that I don't know how I'm going to survive the next seven days. Once I was a little warm and, and I could, uh, you know, sort of, I actually did extra shopping because I was underpacked. Um, my next thought was, this is the big deal. You know, you have all the CEOs and all the chairmen and chairpersons, I should say, um, you know, corporate leaders, policymakers, everybody's here. But it, it was an interesting dilemma because when I went to Davos, I was still at that point in my life uh, kind of split between stories that are that need to be told and stories that I'm paid to be told. There is a difference. And I am very clear about that, um, that brand storytelling has a purpose. Brand storytelling furthers the perception of a company's capability and its culture. But it isn't news, which is almost always fact-based. I don't go back to news of today, but I'm talking about <laughs> news from when I used to be a journalist. Um, so I did have that interesting dichotomy in my mind that I was like, all of this meeting, whining, dining, exclusive conversations, big deals are being cracked on the sidelines of Davos. But really, is that translating into something? You know, we're talking about stakeholder capitalism. We're talking about climate uh, emergency, as I like to, you know, follow Greta and, and say it's not climate change. It's an emergency that we're in. We're talking about all of these things. We're talking about uh, equitable distribution of wealth and poverty and injustice. But what does that really translate into in the 12 months that followed Davos? So I guess I was kind of dealing with that in my mind. And then I got really busy and um, I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And have you had the chance of interviewing someone at Davos that you always wanted to interview? Um, or at least sit down and have a chat? chat. Yes, yes, a, a whole bunch of people. Uh, a few of those relationships 
stay. Um, you know, there was um, the former C CEO of uh, Philips Connected Healthcare. We met the first time I went to Davos, 2017. And uh, we've stayed in touch. In fact, we, we had a meeting about two or three months ago. And uh, what she, the first thing she remembered was how we partied. Uh, <laughs> <in the morning. laughs> And, and uh, there are some great many relationships that I've been able to build, some interesting videos that I've recorded, uh, but also just offline conversations and listening to people and absorbing, really, you know, because we're all learning. And, and there are some people who have a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience, and they're coming there to share that. So it was a great experience. Yes, I would go back there <laughs> once we're able to travel again, of course. Wow. Wow. Awesomeness. And again, I'm hoping. Have you, have you been to Davos? I mean, it, it's going to be tremendous if you're able to. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping next year will be the year I get to Davos. Uh, the reason, of course, this year, you know, has been the year it has been. Uh, but I also follow a lot of um, the impact Davos has yeah. on, as you mentioned, climate emergency. We're talking about, you know, how companies are working towards a sustainable future. Uh, we're talking about how equitable uh you know uh, uh sorry my brain just froze for a second uh we're talking about how how we're going to distribute that wealth um yeah. in a, in a way that will support communities across the globe and not just certain uh communities that are gifted to have those companies right yeah absolutely um, yes and that is meaningful because i think collaboration is the way forward i mean yes. we're all we can all exist in silos but the challenges of tomorrow today rather they cannot be solved you know by one uh, organization or or one government so we have to come together and i think one one of the salient points of a summit like davos and there are many such is really the ability for people to come together uh, find that underlying philosophy that connects people and and forging ties that can help make change because we have some really big struggles ahead of us, you know, from yeah. in to injustice to the climate uh, um, crisis. Um, yeah, gender inequality. We could go on, right? But there, there are quite a few, and we all, of course, we we try to. And, and this is the events producer within me that that speaks now. But that is something that we try to also. Um, mm -hmm you know, create positive impact towards with Reshape, which is an event that's coming up in April. Mm -hmm. um, I'll send you details oh, yeah. just after this call. But yes, um, hey, okay, so so going back a bit more now, focusing on you completely, not me. Uh, um, <laughs> what are your hopes for the future? Oh, uh, personally speaking, Steve, I have to say to be with my partner. The pandemic has kept us apart for far too many months wow. and uh, there's nothing more that I want uh, than to be with him. It's been tough. But if I were to sort of extend that beyond just myself, um, I do want to believe that uh, some of these lessons and uh, collective reflections from 2020 and 2021, uh, some of those changes that we are seeing, they're going to be a little bit more long term and permanent. Um, I do hope that, you know, we will do better as, as human beings, you know, better to the planet, better with each other, better at eliminating bias and injustice. Um, I've personally been a big um, proponent of and, and had a voice, whatever little I could have uh, had in, in women's rights activism and for almost two decades now. And, you know, 
And that's one area that I, I really hope that we're able to make some good progress in, in this year and going forward, because we know for a fact that the pandemic has disproportionately affected women's representation yeah. in the workforce. And, you know, there's so much conversation now. Oh, this is this is the equalizer, right? Distributed workforce, remote work. It is such an equalizer for women. But it is tempting to think that. But I, I don't believe it is because embedded assumptions about uh, gender roles, I think that squarely puts the burden of, um, you know, care, uh, schooling, child care, elder care on women. And so I do believe that this year and going forward, companies, um, uh, public bodies, they are going to start looking at the impact that bias and everyday sexism is having on women's productivity and their progress. And uh, they're willing to make permanent changes, you know, because um, the time for platitudes is long gone, right? True. You have to True. move from talk and conversation and dialogue and panel discussions to real action, <laughs> you know, and decisions now. And that's Amen. my hope. Amen to that. And one of the companies I do believe and a huge fan of is Avon. Uh, something I learned recently, well, when I say recently, it was last year, uh, <laughs> was that wherever Avon has an office, they do set up a help helpline uh, for women uh, just to be able to talk because they need someone to just be there and listen to or to be there to help in any way that they can. Um, it, it is, right? It, I And Avon has not used that as a PR stunt till date, which is something I admire to the to highest degree. Because you want to do this with purpose and not because yes. you want to pull a PR stunt, right? Um, not pulling a PR stunt here, Steve, but something that, I, um, something that I'm personally proud of um, is that, uh, you know, during the pandemic, um, I, I sort of led from the front Wipro's um, uh, movement, so as to say, around breast cancer awareness. So all of uh, September, October, November, December, actually wow. was spent on that. Whether it was getting a 24-7 helpline available to every employee in every country and to their families for online and WhatsApp consulting um, to, you know, um, workshops online, obviously, uh, webinars with oncologists, um, you know, internal campaign, external campaign. Um, it was meaningful because I, of course. I realized from personal experience that because of the pandemic, whatever is, um, you know, standard health checkup, you know, your mammograms and, and your, your standard sonograms, all of them have been pushed to the back burner. So what is happening now is you will see that there's enough research to prove that 2021 and beyond, at least for the next two, two and a half years, there's going to be a, a sudden spike in the number of invasive breast cancers that are detected. And so it is incumbent on us, for those who can, to do something about it, whatever little we can, right? So I, I was really proud to sort of lead that from the front. And again, we did not make a huge deal about it because we were like, this is about employee wellness. This is about caring for an employee. So let's just get there and do what we need to do. God bless. God bless to that. Hey, uh, at that, Bianca, thank you so much for joining uh, Beyond the Title. It has been amazing speaking with you. I could have had another hour or so to speak with you because there's so much I would love to ask. But of course, uh, we are hoping that you will join Reshape uh, and we can continue this conversation then. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I think 
Most importantly, I'm, I'm glad that we've made a connection. Uh, this world is all about people and places. We can't get to places right now, so it's all about people. <laughs> I to know you a little bit, and uh, we're going to stay in touch, and hopefully I'll, I'll get to join Reshape as well. 